0: This is Katie Prejean-McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. A lot of things have changed since um, this current pandemic has begun, and the shelter-in-place orders and, and work from home and school being canceled and the like, all of the the things that we're now dealing with. Everything from how we're buying groceries to how we're socializing, oftentimes via Zoom or six to 10 feet apart in the driveway. And I think we all immediately kind of recognize that because all of these changes were gonna be taking place, there were gonna have to be some adaptations to take care of people who struggle in different areas of their life, especially with addiction especially if an addiction can be re-triggered, can be brought back on, if struggles with alcohol, pornography, and the like um, can be can be brought back on because of isolation, because of stress and anxiety. We wanted to talk to somebody who could help give perspective on how to deal with that, how to walk through that particular valley at this moment, how to help those that we know and love who struggle with addictions, and, and to give some perspective on ways to cope and to thrive in the midst of this really new reality that we're living with. So we brought on Scott Wiemann, founder of Catholic and Recovery. Scott is a dad, he's an author, his uh, wife is a nurse, and, and he's got some great perspective on how to help folks who are struggling at this particular moment, especially the, the family members of those who are struggling, not just those people who find themselves um, dealing with an addiction, but those who love those people and how we can really help them through this time. So this conversation with Scott, while brief, is very valuable and I think one that you will enjoy. Just as a friendly reminder, our mental health series, which we did in early 2020, is available on the Ave Maria Press website, as well as all of these mental health reboot episodes. Um, there's a five-episode run of this little mini-series. Uh, this is episode number four. We've had episodes with Leah Darrow, Sister Miriam James-Heidland, and uh, Roy Pettifee, and we've got another episode coming up later with Tommy Tai. So this is number four or five with Scott Wieman, and we hope you enjoy it and find this conversation about how to help those that we love who are struggling with addictions in the midst of a pandemic. Scott, thanks so much for joining us um, for this little emergency podcast.
1: Great to be here, Katie. I'm really grateful to just be of service in any way it can be.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the work that you do. I, I know you're in California, so please know that we're praying for you right now. Um, but what's your, what's your background? What's your expertise?
1: Yeah, so my background is um, and my my expertise is really based on my own personal experience. Um, You know, and I think that that is a a very valuable uh, expertise that we all carry and should really um, assume. So um, my my background and the work that I do is really based on my personal experience Um, in recovery, addiction recovery. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic myself with a variety of other addictions and compulsive behaviors that I've uh, found some freedom from thanks to the 12 steps of addiction recovery and the sacramental life of the church. So uh, professionally, I I run an organization that I founded called Catholic in Recovery, which provides addiction recovery resources for parishes, communities, individuals, and families around the country and around the globe, Um, combining the spiritual um, wisdom of the 12 steps and the traditions of the Catholic Church. And in addition to that, I I do a variety of other things. I am an associate marriage and family therapist in the state of California. I just recently graduated from, um, with my master's degree in clinical counseling, and so I'm working towards, in, in, in a clinical uh, sense, with individuals and families, with mm-hmm. a lot of that focus being on addiction, and at the same time, my wife and I are young adult coordinators at our parish, St. Bridget Parish in San Diego, where we have a really awesome young adult community. It's where we met. It's where I was um, really reintroduced to the spiritual life of the church, found community, and, um, and where my life was saved.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, praise God. Um, Thank you for your work. I mean, Catholics in Recovery has done phenomenal things all the way to Southwest Louisiana. Um, I've I've heard people talk about it. I've heard people talk about your book. Um, Tell us a little bit about this particular moment where cities are shutting down, businesses are closing. um, We're really getting to the point where you should only really go to the grocery store or the doctor as as necessary. I know right now we're in a shelter in place in California. That's probably coming for Louisiana. at this particular moment, as people are isolated, um, and and you could use two words, right, isolation or solitude, and one has a more positive context and one has a scarier context, addicts are gonna struggle. They're gonna turn back to those things that have brought them comfort. And in some sense, what I've always heard is that addicts become addicts because they feel like they can control a part of their life when they are using or doing that thing uh, that has brought them that comfort in some sense, or has given them that escape from reality. So how can we help those people or how can they even help themselves at this particular moment, which is really kind of unprecedented?
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, there's a lot there. And so let me just pick a few things. Yeah, of course. So yes, you're right. I really appreciate that you mentioned isolation and solitude kind of similar things, although vastly different. And Mm -hmm. I recently saw isolation is being alone with God. Solitude is being alone without God. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sorry. The other way around. The other way around. Yeah. Solitude is being alone with God. Isolation is being alone without God. Yeah. Isolation yeah. is no friend of a recovering alcoholic or addict. Mm-hmm. Nor is it a friend of a an active alcoholic or addict. Nor is it a friend of anyone that's just living a spiritual life. Because right. you know we certainly need community. I think that this is a time where we are seeing the value of the body of Christ and how we certainly need each other, how interconnected we are, and so. Um, so when measuring this and just, you know, trying to find some grounding in our own personal lives, that's an important thing. Am I isolating or am I in solitude at this moment? Am, am I bringing God into this moment or, or am I trying to distance myself from whatever anxieties I might be carrying um, the gravity of the, of the world around me? But that's also an important thing as we, as we discern what are, where, where am I spending my time? What am I watering? Am I watering seeds of doubt of fear or my watering seeds of, of hope and love? Mm-hmm. And yes, so all of us in, you know, I'll refer to addicts. And I think that there's, if we, we can all find ways to identify in some ways as an addict. Okay. Right, so, right. Um, and, and addicts do weird things when they, when there's a sense of powerlessness, a sense of a lack of control, you know, pornography addicts or those that struggle with lust will often reach for um, pornography or act out in some ways. It, given given situations around them that are, seem very very out of control. Now we might think that sounds that sounds crazy. How is that creating some kind of control in their life? I might ask people who are going out to buy boatloads of toilet paper the same thing. You know, it's these small things that we can that we that we can do that we perceive creates some control in our lives. Something that I can do to relieve the anxiety of this moment. Now, is that an effective approach? No. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, those approaches are very, very short-sighted. Um, they're often very secretive in some ways or individualized and, um, and keep us distant from that body of Christ, which is a source of such great hope, healing, and love. Um, so, yes, we got to be careful about the behaviors that we're engaging in. And I can personally be really, really grateful for the tools of recovery that have really led to this moment in some ways and, and continually prepare Um, prepare us for the things in our lives that we have no power over. And we're coming to learn that there is a lot that we don't have power over. Um, You know, a lot of the um, these feelings of control that we might have in our lives or just about uh, expectations that the status quo is going to remain very similar to the next day tomorrow that it was today, um, all an illusion. And so it's a great reminder that we're not in control, that God is in control. And um, just surrendering to that is a very, I mean, can provide some moments of, of peace. Now, I contrast my um, relationship with the, what's going on in the world today with what it used to be like. When I was active in my addiction and had really no sense of um, what was going on, no insights into um, my behavior, how it was affecting other people, I used to relish in moments of, of, of national crisis Because what it would do, it would provide this opportunity for me to displace my own personal anxiety and the crisis that was going on in my own life and to, in some ways, displace that onto this big, um, you know, intangible thing. And that really fed this kind of inner denial within me, allowed me to just, you know, kind of take a, a blind eye to all the things in my life that were out of control, that were bringing me further from God and from my family members and from my neighbor and so that too, we need to be very mindful of. You know, what am I doing? What am I watering? And, you know, grateful now that having learned the lessons of recovery that I'm not in control, um, you know, and, and really being taught to surrender my will and my life over to the care of God on a daily basis um, has prepared me in some ways. No, I'm still finding times where I'm compulsively searching for more information, wanting to know more, wanting to do more, a good and, and, and somewhat fearful. A good a good medicine for that for me has been to get into service, and I've learned that too through addiction recovery.
0: Yeah, yeah. To to I, mean, I just had a conversation with Roy Pedafy about helping teenagers cope with this, and one thing he said was, "Service it it places us outside of ourselves, and it we can control one thing, which is how I'm reacting to a situation. And am I being helpful, or am I maybe being hurtful?" Um, I think for, I I distinctly remember hearing one time in college that we should never make decisions when we are, um, tired, angry, hungry, or sad, right? Like those kind of four emotions always lead to a negative behavior. And I think in the next few weeks, God forbid the next few months, we're going to see a lot of opportunities where there's lethargy and where there's frustration and, and where there's real loneliness and, um you know, hopefully not hunger because the supply lines will be okay, but but really an ache for something to be different. I mean, my husband and I have been joking all week that it's like Groundhog Day. We get up, we're kind of doing the same things. We're trying to eat the same lunches every day because we know what food we have in the house and how to be responsible. But that over time is going to wear at people. Maybe what are a couple of um, tangible, practical things I can do within my home? I can help people that I know uh, really enact, especially for that addict that might have been relying on those meetings and those in-person times with community. And, and that's going to become, you know, via a Zoom call or via FaceTime. And that, that doesn't, it. that's good, but it's not the same as being in the same room, having a cup of coffee or sitting in the church basement, sharing your struggles. So, so what are some ways we can cope in that?
1: Yeah, good. Um, you, you're right. And in, in addition to churches being closed, recovery groups are not meeting. And mm-hmm. that's a source of of healing and, and life for many. And so, you know, it's just as a, as a, as a culture, we should be aware of the fact that yeah. there's a lot of people who are not being treated for their addictions. And that treatment really is simple, but is profound. Mm-hmm. And that is connecting in fellowship with others who get to share experience, strength, and hope with each other. So mm-hmm. finding ways to share experience, strength, and hope, and hear others sharing experience, strength, and hope, I think is really a valuable thing that not only addicts, but others can take into account as well. For me, it's been really helpful just to be amongst people and hearing stories of people adapting to some challenging times. Um, And that helps, I think that helps my willingness and ability to adapt um, to whatever the day may bring that is certainly outside of my control. Um, Recently, over the the past week, last weekend, um, some friends of mine, one who lives in North Carolina, another who lives here in San Diego, had been planning a wedding, planning to get married in late April in North Carolina, big weekend long wedding. Um, one of the first for both families, and um, that was—it was looking like that was going to have to be canceled. And they changed from on, on Thursday of last week. They made plans to get married on Sunday of last weekend, so like three days. And wow. they had to grieve the loss of a lot of plans, a lot of really, you know, exciting expectations. But and and did so and honored those feelings and. Was willing to um, be flexible, and you know, family members came into town. Unfortunately, not everyone could be there, but there was just this joy and this this, this sense of this is God. God has made it, made some things clear to us that this is the right path that we're on, and we can do that. And so, just being among people who are willing to be flexible and adaptive, and I, I get to find those people oftentimes in recovery meetings. And now I can't go to those places, and so it's been a little bit more challenging. You're right. Um, there are a number of groups both local recovery groups, 12 step meetings um, that are providing services online. Our organization Catholic in Recovery is doing the same. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have meetings throughout the week, a variety of different types of meetings. Some general recovery meetings with, for people who are um, find themselves addicted or with a variety of different addictions and compulsive behaviors, as well as meetings for family members impacted by a loved one's addiction and a weekly men's meeting for men in recovery from pornography and sex addiction. Now, I really want to start a women's group doing the same thing because pornography is not just a men's view. Um, and, uh, and unfortunately, I think some cultural discussions reinforce that idea.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not the case. Addiction does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, a conversation we can have for another day, but I got to throw that in there.
0: Yeah, of course. I also
1: have to note that addiction is not a referendum on one's moral character. Right. Um, so let's just get that out there as well. Yeah. But you're right, finding opportunities to connect. And that might mean virtually, it might mean getting creative. And you know, there's something that's really powerful about taking the time to get out of your house, get in your car, drive across town, going to a parking lot, feel that discomfort of, oh man, I really don't want to do this or I don't want to be here, but I know that this is going to be good for me. Putting yourself in front of a group of people who might be strangers at first um, and then giving them the opportunity to, to save your life in some ways or just surrendering to that all of that is part of the process of change and and something that maybe is not as replicable in a virtual space.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it also may make, make people more comfortable in just being exposed to recovery groups for the first time. So we've even had a few people in some Catholic and recovery groups this past week, virtually, um, who haven't gotten a chance to attend a, an in-person meeting. So some positives, some benefits. Right. But as we talk about just tangible personal things that we can do in order to create some sense of grounding balance and, um, and relieve some anxiety that we might be dealing with. I think just getting local, getting close, you know, how can I connect with people perhaps, you know, using virtual software um, and, you know, are there people in my community that might need help that might have a more challenging situation than I do. Yeah. It's very important that we honor and, and uh, respect the grief and the loss that we're going through. Even if we think that in comparison to what other people aren't, are going through, it's not that big of a deal it's a big deal. Grieve, find time to grieve for your personal losses. And at the same time, see if there's anyone in the community that you can benefit, perhaps someone who's homebound or elderly um, that can't get out to get groceries or other things. So that for me and for others in the community, I think has really provided um, a good way to cope with these uncertain times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a a great place to kind of round that out is, is we have to get creative. um, But we also have to recognize that Maybe the way to bust through the negative isolation is to recognize that we all still are in this together and that the continued healing and the the continued recovery that so many people are going through, um, it doesn't just stop because the world has stopped. Uh, And so maybe especially, uh, we want to give a word of encouragement to to people who have loved ones who are addicts who are struggling with addictions. Um, What can we do to help our our loved ones who we know might be struggling really particularly at this time? Is it as simple as a phone call or a card in the mail? Um, What's maybe a couple things we can do as family to help our loved ones?
1: Yeah. um, Personal contact in whatever way. I like the idea of just Whatever can show that, um, like, writing a, like writing a letter and mailing mm-hmm. it, um, there's some process there. Of course, there's some lag time, but there's also a bit more of a personal touch there than a, than a text message or an email might provide. Um, check your agenda. You know, mm-hmm. I would be careful in, in my is this you know, because when, when fear comes, we tend to want to, just like I mentioned before, the way that addicts or other people respond with control or toilet paper um, we have this sense to to want to restrict ourselves and other people in some ways, and so check your agenda. Um, you know, certainly providing information about available meeting times that can be found online as an alternative to other meetings that are taking place physically can be a helpful and a beneficial thing. But you can't just like you can't make them show up to a you know to recovery meeting. Um, you, you can't like log in. You can't do this for them. And in fact, in in some ways, doing some of the work that they can do themselves um, will, will hinder their own. They're, they're taking ownership of their own personal recovery. In some ways, now, of course, people are in various different stages of recovery. Right. You know, some who are new to recovery might find it challenging, or might find the excuse to, um, you know, use this as an opportunity to isolate, to find their drug of choice, and um, just spend that in darkness. Now, be aware of that as a family member or a loved one. Um, be aware of, you know, am I doing, asking the question, am I doing something for this person that they can do themselves? Mm. If, if they can't do it themselves, then you're doing a good, a good service for them. If they're unwilling to do it themselves, that's another story. So, mm. you know, I know that that response provides a lot of kind of um, loose interpretation, but I think that, you know, personalizing it that way is a, is a good way. And also get to meetings yourselves. If you struggle, if you have a loved one that is, in, that is struggling with addiction, Mm-hmm. you know the serenity prayer god grant me the serenity to accept mm-hmm. the things i cannot change which is most of the world around me including the people that i love the most the courage to change the things i can which is oftentimes summed up by me and my attitude and the wisdom to know the difference and so um, getting to recovery meetings yourself as a loved one of an addict um, can be very valuable well, you will hear from other people who are in a similar position first you'll recognize that there's um that you're not alone and helpful tools and ways to approach it based on the experience, strength, and hope of other family members who are going through a similar situation as you can be incredibly valuable and restore that sense of the body of Christ serving the body of Christ.
0: For sure. For sure. And folks can of course go to Catholics in recovery, um, to find out more information. They can buy your book. They can um, really find all of these resources and this continued conversation, um, and, and hopefully they take advantage of that for sure. Yes.
1: So Um you'll find a variety of articles, resources, um, a, a link in a directory of our in-person meetings and our new virtual meetings. So um, I look forward to seeing many people um, in a meeting this week or, or in, in coming weeks.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Scott. Stay safe, stay healthy. Um, we'll be praying for y'all.
1: Thanks, Katie. Keep up the great work.
0: You know, I think one of the things that Scott really highlighted and reminded me of is the the need for virtual meetings, um, to make time and space for that, especially if you know this is something that you'll be struggling with or that the loved ones that, that you know have struggled with addiction in the past or currently could need. I encourage you to go to com to find out more information about what they're offering, as well as Scott's excellent book, which is available on Ave Maria Press, which gives incredible insight um, on how to, to walk through addiction recovery uh, through the ministry and the life of the church. Um, Again, a friendly reminder that all of our mental health series is available on AveMariaPress.com. We've got that linked down in the show notes. We hope that you check out what we've made available to help you through this time. Please know that we are praying for you, that we hope that you stay healthy, and that you stay safe.